Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They take care of our air conditioning, and they do a great job. You can find out more by visiting johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. Uh, you can visit the website lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Pastor Rick Stevens. He's the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We're talking about education, public education here in uh, Florida. Also, Congressman Madison Cawthorn will be joining us. He's the from the 8th District of uh North Carolina, Western North Carolina, grew up in Hendersonville. He's coming to town on Saturday. Uh, the event is sold out, unfortunately, but we'll look forward to a conversation with uh, the youngest member of Congress, Madison Cawthorn. We'll visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and the former mayor of Naples, uh, Bill Barnett, will be joining us as well. It is May the 13th, and on this day in 1846, the U.S. Congress overwhelmingly voted to favor uh, James, uh, President James K. Polk's request to declare war on Mexico in a dispute over Texas. Did you know that uh, we actually went to war with Mexico? Well, we did. Under the threat of war, the United States refrained from annexing Texas after the latter won the independence from Mexico in 1836. But in 1844, President John Tyler restarted negotiations with the Republic of Texas, culminating with a treaty of annexation. The treaty was defeated by a wide margin in the Senate because it would upset the slave-state-free state balance between North and South and risk war with Mexico, which had broken off relationships with the United States. But shortly before leaving office, and with the support of uh, President-elect Polk, Tyler managed to get the joint resolution passed on March the 1st, 1845. Texas was admitted to the Union on December the 29th. While Mexico didn't follow through with its threat to declare war, relations between the two nations remained tense over border disputes, and in July 1845, President Polk ordered troops in disputed lands that lay between the uh, Nuches and Rio Grande rivers. In November, Polk sent uh, the diplomat John Slidell to Mexico to seek boundary adjustments in return for U.S. government's settlement of the claims of U.S. citizens against Mexico and also to make an offer to purchase California and New Mexico. After the mission failed, the U.S. Army under General uh, Zachary Taylor advanced to the mouth of the uh, Rio Grande, the river that the state of the Texas claimed as its southern boundary. Mexico, claiming that the boundary was the Nuches River to the northeast of the Rio Grande, considered the advance of Taylor's army an act of aggression, and in April 1846 sent troops across the Rio Grande. Polk in return declared the Mexican advance to be an invasion of U.S. soil and on May the 11th, 1846, asked Congress to declare war on Mexico, which it did two days later. After nearly two years of fighting, peace was established by the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, uh, signed on February the 2nd, 1848. The Rio Grande was made the southern boundary of Texas and California and New Mexico were ceded to the United States. In return, the United States paid Mexico with a sum of $15 million and agreed to settle all claims of U.S. citizens against Mexico. How about that? New Mexico and California, $15 million. Well, the Colonial Pipeline has returned to operations following a cyber attack that stalled gas supply for 
southeastern United States for days, according to Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm. Uh, following the restart, it will take several days for the product delivery supply chain to return to normal That from the uh, Colonial Pipeline. Some markets uh, served by Colonial Pipeline may experience or continue to experience intermittent service interruptions during the startup period. So uh, this is all good news for citizens on the uh, eastern part of the United States. Hackers demanded millions of dollars in ransom money, but I don't think that's all coming through. They're not going to send them the money. Well, it's been confirmed that uh, via the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers that construction on 13.4 million uh, miles, I should say, a stretch of the border wall in Rio Grande will resume. Now, as a matter of fact, just before the show, I found out this is not correct. Actually, they're uh, repairing the wall. They're not going to resume building the wall. Uh, because of they're repairing it because of apparently water seepage is uh, corroding the wall. So it, in any event, I was kind of celebrating the fact that, hey, this is great. Biden's finally caved in. He's going to uh, continue building the wall. Uh, that's not true. Well, Frank Gaffney reported in a letter sent to by prominent generals, I think there's 110 or 20 of them, urging Americans of the urgent need to defend the Constitution Gaffney said the Marxist line of attack against the U.S. includes the Democrats' pursuit to institutionalize election stealing with H.R. 1, critical race theory, border insecurity, and dictatorial character of Biden's executive orders. They also pointed out, oh, and then I found this other story as well, a a group of more than 120 retired military officers have written President Joe Biden to tell him his election was less than legitimate while questioning his mental acuity. The letter echoes former President Donald Trump's claims of widespread election fraud, which have not been borne out in court, and comes on a day uh, comes on the day when Representative Liz Cheney ripped Trump for his claims that the election was "quote unquote" stolen. Without fair and honest elections that accurately reflect the will of the people, our constitutional republic is lost. The letter from retired officers said, "The group calls itself Flag Officers for America." and consists of retired military officers, including generals and admirals. The FBI and uh, Supreme Court must act swiftly when election irregularities are surfaced and not ignore them, as was done in 2020, they wrote. The uh, letter, called an open letter from retired generals and admirals, was reported by Business Insider. Interesting. Well, you probably heard the news. House Republicans have voted to oust Representative Liz Cheney from her leadership position, they did it first thing on Wednesday morning, a rare move that highlights the leadership former President Donald Trump still holds in the party. Cheney, of course, is the daughter of former Vice President Dick Cheney and one of uh, Trump's most vocal critics, served as the House Republican Conference chairwoman, a position that entailed leading the chamber's messaging efforts. While she overwhelmingly prevailed in the vote in February, shortly after her announcement that she would vote in favor of impeaching Trump for inciting the January 6th Capitol riot, the political climate shifted with a growing number of lawmakers, including House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy and Minority Whip Steve Calise, Scalise uh, backing the efforts to remove her. So uh, she plans to being a thorn in the side of the party, though. Uh, she's uh, <clears throat> looking to shift the Republicans toward a Cheney party after disagreeing with the party's current path as evidenced by a recent removal. She gave a speech on the House floor, and uh, she's basically said, hey, uh, she told associates she doesn't plan to go anywhere and plans to run for re-election. Well, she's not so popular in her own state. She's upside down when it comes to popularity. 
in Wyoming, and she probably will not get elected unless that all turns around pretty quickly. She's also been censured in in, uh, Wyoming. So quite frankly, Liz, if everyone says you're dead, it's probably time to lay down. (laughs) Representative Elise Stefanik is a Republican from New York, the clear frontrunner to replace Liz Cheney as House Republican Conference chairperson. Uh, Wednesday officially asked her GOP colleagues for their support for the seat and called for a unified conservative vision uh, moving forward. Despite the media's endless attempts to divide us, our members are now united in a laser focus on defeating the radical socialist Democrat agenda of President Joe Biden and Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Uh, She wrote in her letter, which she posted on Twitter, our members believe that the stakes are far too high for us to be divided. She added that the Republicans stand shoulder to shoulder in believing that we should have an historic opportunity to work as a team to win back the majority in 2022 on behalf of the American people. She said her goals as conference chair are a disciplined, unified message from our leadership team and Republican conference focused on key issues important to voters. She also wants the communications posture on offense uh, every single day, it's imperative that we not only go on offense against the Social Democrats, but also we need to be on offense when dealing with uh, biased mainstream media. And then she wants uh, to empower all members to shine. Our members have the incredible personal stories and diverse backgrounds that embody the American dream and our conservative principles. So Liz Stefanik uh, has the backing of the leadership, and I think she'll do a great job and certainly be a nice replacement for Liz Cheney. By the way, if uh, Liz Cheney decides to form her own party, I can't think of a better way than to get the rhinos out of the uh, Republican Party. Uh, She probably won't do that. Uh, Inflation in April accelerated at its fastest pace in more than 12 years as the U.S. economic recovery kicked into gear and energy prices jumped higher, the Labor Department reported yesterday. The Consumer Price Index, which measures a basket of goods as well as energy and housing costs, rose 4.2% from a year earlier. A Dow Jones uh, survey has expected a 3.6% increase. Uh, The month-to-month gain was about 0.8% against the expected 0.2%. That's a lot. Now, that's on a pace of uh, 10%. Excluding volatile food and energy prices, the core CPI increased 3% from the same period in 2020 and 0.9% on a monthly basis. That's a big jump. The increase is an annual headline. CPI rate was the fastest since September 2008. And that's why, of course, we're beginning to see the markets melt down. Had a a big loss yesterday and futures are down. Uh, Dow futures are down about 167 right now. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples, longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date. By reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. 
Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social, a new refreshing social networking platform. You can find out more by visiting choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Congressman Madison Cawthorn. He's coming to town this weekend. Right now we have with us Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Pastor Rick, thank you so much for joining us. Happy to do it, Bob. Always good to talk to you. Always great to speak with you as well, Pastor Rick. And tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Florida Citizens Alliance is a grassroots organization. <clears throat> we just invite people all across Florida to join us, and we try to make the voice of the grassroots known to the decision makers. And we try to bring, <clears throat> pardon me, solutions to that process. We don't want to just bring problems, but when we find a problem, we find a solution, and we help make improvements that will help our children have the best educational opportunities that are available to them. Uh, the website is goflca.com, goflca.com. Great organization and getting so much done. Now, you have to be so pleased that the scholarship uh, bills have been passed and are apparently being signed, have been signed by the governor. Maybe you could tell us about it. Well, pleased is exactly right. We have been watching this process since we first heard about it way before any bill was filed in the legislature. And it always got our attention because Florida has had a very good scholarship program. We always thought there was room to expand it and, and improve it. There's always that opportunity. But whenever things get introduced into the legislature, you sometimes get a little nervous because you wonder, okay, what's going to happen now mm -hmm. because of the process and because you just don't always know what's going on. So we followed this through the House and the Senate, and we're very pleased that the legislature, House and Senate, passed the House version of, of this bill that will expand opportunities for parents. And this week, the governor signed it into law, 
So on July 1st, the new expanded opportunities for parents and students will take effect, and parents will have many more choices of what school their child should attend. Now, sometimes in Florida, parents think that school choice means I can choose school A or school B in the public school system, and a lot of times districts allow that. But this choice we're talking about gives parents the opportunity to send their child to literally the school of their choice. So if they want to go to a private school and they qualify for this scholarship, they can send their child to that school. It is a huge opportunity because it opens up the opportunity to approximately 60,000 more students in Florida. Uh, That is a very significant number. 60,000 more students can go to the school that their parents choose for them. Now, when you, you say that, does that miss, is there an application process? Does it have to be approved by the, uh, the uh, school board, or how does that work? Well, it, there is a process, and, and you do have to qualify for it. But the qualifying for it has, has also been expanded and made easier. The Family Empowerment Scholarship, which is what this is now called, the bill actually combined three previous scholarship programs into one. So it's now the Family Empowerment Scholarship. And that scholarship is available to any family in Florida that meets the requirements. And so here's the key thing that really changes things for families in Florida. The income qualifier now is a family of four can make up to $99,375 and qualify for this scholarship. Wow. In the past, we've seen wealthy families could send their child wherever they wanted because they had the resources to do that. Mm -hmm. But we also saw that some very impoverished families could because the income requirements were were so low that only a few could qualify. Now this has expanded it to many more families, and, and many more families now will qualify for this. So it is absolutely significant. 60,000 more students, because of the changes in this, in this law, will be eligible. And, and think about that this way. This is a way conservative uh, way of thinking about it. But let's assume that a school averages 1,000 students. Well, we're talking about 60,000 more students, or the equivalent of 60 schools worth of students can now choose a school that they want to go to, and the state of Florida will give them a scholarship to help them do that. Wow, that it, is, it's remarkable. That is fantastic. Uh, and, and, and I guess the biggest problem is going to be making sure that parents are aware of this opportunity. Well, yes and no. Uh, a lot of people don't realize, but it's been very well documented that when Governor DeSantis was elected as our governor, he was elected because parents recognized his stand on these scholarship programs. Mm -hmm. His opponent at the time said they were going to eliminate all these scholarship programs, and all of the people that saw how their students were benefiting said not so fast, and the margin of victory that Governor DeSantis won by reflects the support of the parents who had children in these scholarships in private schools. Great. So what's going to happen is many more parents are going to hear about this, and the demand for this, I mean, 60,000 is a big number, But I really want to say to parents, if you're thinking about applying for this, watch carefully. Go to Step Up for Students. This goes into effect on July 1st, but you'll want to get in right away because the 60,000 student number 
will will go away quickly because the demand is going to be there. That's how much parents care about this sort of thing. Okay, well, thanks for that clarification. Pastor Rick, before I let you go, uh, uh, talking to Keith Flaw, your co-founder, uh, a little while ago, apparently, uh, the course, the governor's been quite clear. He doesn't want uh, uh, the... Uh, CRT, what is a critical race theory in our schools? Well, it turns out that some of our textbooks uh, have critical race theory as well as uh, the 1619 Project and other things. What's Any update on that? Well, some, some of your listeners may be aware, you're probably aware, that uh, we just recently released an open letter to the governor and to the commissioner of education to let them know that people across the state are seeing what's in these materials that are being adopted they're recognizing that they're unacceptable. They heard the governor call the CRT stuff a wacko idea, pretty unusual for a governor to use that kind of language to describe yeah. something. And he said that we're not going to spend Florida taxpayers' dollars to pay for that sort of thing. So what we did was we released this open letter to let everybody across Florida realize that, hey, we know and we're watching. We want the school boards to be aware of that. We sent out an action alert to get people to notify their school boards. So we're trying to shine the light of, of understanding on this and help people realize because we don't want our children to be taught things that are not true, and we don't want our children to be propagandized to deepen and, and widen the race struggles in our country. Wow. We believe that we're all part of the human race, all created in the image of God. And these other theories like uh, critical race theory only serve to divide us and manipulate us, and we're pushing back against that. We can't allow that to happen in our state. Ah, great to hear. Pastor Rick Stevens, again, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. I strongly encourage you to visit the website, goflca.com. Pastor Rick, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Happy to talk with you, Bob. Thank you. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, uh, Congressman Madison Cawthorn, that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, 
it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. I'm very proud to have been uh, the founding uh, board chairman. For 15 years I served and uh, passed the torch on to uh, Tim Aiken, who's doing a terrific job now as board chairman. Nevertheless, we're now starting to build a brand new playhouse in downtown uh, Performing Arts Center in downtown Naples. I hope you'll visit the website to find out more, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Uh, well, uh, Pat, uh, Congressman Madison Cawthorn was not available, and I'm uh, disappointed about that because I was looking forward to you hearing about uh, him and uh, his very interesting story. He's actually an eighth-generation resident of North Carolina's 11th Congressional District, and uh, his his relative served in the Revolutionary War. Well, he got an ROTC scholarship to North Carolina State, uh, and a full ride, actually. But he ended up getting in a car accident and uh, is paralyzed. But he's still a, a very, very successful guy and a congressman, and uh, looking forward to meet him. He's going to be in an event at the Denim and Diamonds, the gala fundraiser for uh, Naples Classical Academy. That's coming up uh, Saturday, May the 15th. Now, I wanted to have him on because, primarily because I wanted to see if we could sell some tickets for this. I serve on the board that supports this organization, uh, but uh, it's sold out. So uh, the effort, to, yeah, there are no tickets available, but it's going to be a great event. And uh, again, so happy that it is sold out for the Naples uh, Classical Academy. Well, Matthew DiPerno, a constitutional lawyer, reveals new evidence out of Antrim County. Uh, that's in Michigan, of course, uh, that definitely proves the election was subverted for uh, Joe Biden. So interesting. Uh, we've discovered the actual fraud, DiPerno said, is a subversion. DiPerno told uh, uh, the, the Steve Bannon show on Monday, voting machines were intentionally manipulated to subvert critical errors that otherwise would have shut down the election. Votes went from libertarian candidate Joe Jorgensen to Donald Trump to Joe Biden before disappearing and found counted in the undervote category. If that actually happened, then the election would shut down, DiPerno said, but it didn't, and the machines kept on counting. They subverted the critical errors intentionally and allowed the election to continue, he said. This means fraud in the coding process, fraud in the election reporting process, fraud in the results reporting process, and fraud by the Secretary of State of Michigan when she declared that to be the safest election in the history of the country and there was human error, uh, DiPerno said. DiPerno's uh, new bombshell evidence comes the same day he's fighting in court for standing. DiPerno argued that uh, he has a good case. Since in 2018, Michigan changed its state constitution to allow any voter the ability to challenge the election results. Machine fraud comes after DiPerno's team discovered hard evidence 
of fraud in Antrim County, including 100% turnout of 80-year-old voters and numerous ballots from post office boxes, which, by the way, is illegal. So this continues, and now update on what's happening in, uh, in, in Arizona, in Maricopa County. It turns out that the machines have been wiped clean 10 days before they are turned over uh, for the audit. And I'm talking about the uh, Dominion machines. So somebody's going to have to pay for this because I think that it, that clearly is fraudulent. That's criminal behavior. But uh, I, I don't have more on this because uh, my wife told me about it just before I came, we came on air. But this is, it's so, it's so irregular, so criminal that they're trying to cover up. The left is trying to cover up stealing this election. This is all going to come clear. It's all going to come out sooner or later. So we're going to we just have to to wait until uh, we get more information about this but it's so interesting. Well the White House regularly demands a chance to edit administrative officials quotes before they go to print. It was reported. Now how about that? Five reporters who cover President Joe Biden's White House told Politico that interviews frequently are conducted on grounds known as background with quote approval. Basically that means for a person's name to be attached to a quote the reporter must transcribe the quotes and send them to the White House Communications Office for approval. Instead of transparency, suddenly the White House realized, hey, this quote approval thing is pretty cool. We can now control what's in their stories by refusing to allow them, refusing to, allow them to use anything without our approval. And it's pernicious, seditious, insidious, awful practice that reporters should resist, said Peter Baker, the longtime chief White House correspondent for the New York Times. Reporters are reluctant uh, are to evade the White House's demands to approve quotes because it put them, could put them at a disadvantage with their competitors. The only way the press has the power to push back against this is we all band together, said one reporter. Well, I hope you will. Can you believe that? Have to approve a quote. <laughs> if he said it, you should be able to print it. That's the, my opinion. Uh, maybe... Uh, and with all the sophisticated equipment we have right now, there's no misquoting. You can certainly get the quote as as uh, stated. Well, on Tuesday, as the terrorists continued to hunt, fire hundreds of missiles into Israeli citizens, Marjorie Taylor Greene called out Ian Elon and uh, fellow Democrat Rashish, Rashida Tlaib for siding with Hamas terrorists. Marjorie Taylor Greene added the terrorist supporters don't belong in Congress, and she's absolutely right about that. Uh, and by the way, uh, missiles firing both sides. This is escalating in Israel and Hamas right now in the, in the battle across the Israeli line. Um, see how this all turns out. But quite frankly, if I were Hamas or in Palestine, I certainly would not be sending missiles towards the uh, towards the Israelis. They will be far out uh, armed. They, by the way, the uh, d dome is working. They're ca catching most of the missiles that are coming in. There are a few. There has been a uh, death or two in uh, Israel as a result of uh, this activity. Well, the coronavirus was just gaining steam back in January 2020, and rumors were swirling that the virus started because Chinese people ate bat soup, while most of the bat-themed stories and memes who were, outland uh, were outlandish, the World Health Organization did admit that COVID-19 and bats are most likely ancestrally linked. However, that's where they say the uh, connection ends. Uh, the World Health Organization still claims the origins of COVID-19 remains a mystery. Well, until now, 
A bombshell investigative report by Fox News host Steve Hilton has shed all new light on the origins of COVID-19 and, accordingly to the report, has nothing to do with bat soup and everything to do with Dr. Fauci and ferrets. That's right, ferrets. Ferrets are those adorable-looking little furry, furry little weasels that many Americans keep as pets, and Dr. Fauci is an uh, annoying little weasel <laughs> Americans can't get rid of. And when these two weasels finally come together inside a research lab in Wuhan, China, something unthinkable occurred. A deadly and destructive pandemic was created and unleashed upon the world. That's what Steve Hilton is claiming in his new investigation into the origin of the coronavirus. However, the story of COVID-19 doesn't start in Wuhan, China. It actually began about 10 years ago in the Netherlands Research Lab, an innovative uh, epidemiological uh, study took place in Erasmus Medical Center in the Netherlands. Researchers were looking to discover different ways for respiratory viruses and how they react in humans. Scientists used ferrets in their study because ferrets have similar pulmonary structures to human beings with uh, well-developed respiratory bronchioles and uh, submucosal glands. Specifically, researchers wanted to know if a non-airborne virus could be mutated in order to become a contagious airborne disease. So in order to find that out, researchers injected ferrets with a flu virus, and after a series of tests, they discovered that, yes, non-airborne viruses could be manip manipulated to become much stronger and spread respiratory uh, droplets. The findings were groundbreaking, and this study paved the way for the entirely new type of scientific uh, genomics research called gain-of-function. Uh, the gain-of-function uh, research was to replicate a lab which had been done uh, with the ferrets in the Netherlands to take a virus and manipulate it and mutate it into a stronger in order to, make it, uh, if, to see if it will gain new function. Pretty Frankenstein-like, but quite frankly, Steve Hilton did a great job on this room. It's a long story, but uh, I just encourage you to look further into this because, quite frankly, what this reveals is that Dr. Fauci is, was, is guilty of criminal behavior, quite frankly. And he is, uh, his fingerprints are all over this uh, virus here in the United States. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. You 
listen to the Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and publisher of... uh, HistoryCentral.com, excuse me, <laughs> uh, less government, I should say. See, thank you so much for thank, joining us. Thank you very much, sir. You're breaking up a little bit. I hope it'll get better. Um, yes, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and inflation is 4.2%. So, My gosh, could you believe it? Is this looking like Jimmy Carter's administration or what? Well, you know... Uh, I, the gaslighting is getting so bad. Like a day or two before the inflation comes out, Janet Yellen, the head of the Federal Reserve, no, printing money doesn't cause inflation. <laughs> it's like, what, what are you, five years old? What are you? Yeah. This isn't monopoly money that you're reaching into the bank to get some more of. You, you know, it's just the, 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 and of course we have 50 years of government school victims who don't understand this at all, because they weren't taught anything. They were indoctrinated. Yeah. And it's just, it, we're the Weimar Republic all over again. Hey, did you, did you hear that uh, the border is closed? Yeah, the border's <laughs> closed. Everything's fine. No problem. Um, it's like Baghdad Bob on, uh, has, has taken the press secretary job at every agency in the Biden administration. No question. So, hey, you wrote a great piece. I really appreciate it. Hyperpartisan New York Attorney General demonstrates the stupidity of bureaucracy at comment periods. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, the, the bureaucracy comment periods, there are thousands of them every year. And what this is, it, I call it democracy theater. Because, of course, these, regu- these regulatory agencies are about to engage in power grabs, not authorized by legislation, which means it's unconstitutional. And you're supposed to be able to, you know, the reason we, the Constitution calls for Congress to write laws is so we can lobby them because we can unelect them if we don't like what they're doing. Ostensibly, we can unelect them. Mm-hmm. Um, these bureaucrats are doing all these things unilaterally without constitutional and legislative authority. So they, to, to pretend like it's some sort of democratic process, they have these comment periods. Well, I could just make up an anagram, you know, three, or an abbreviation, three letters. The CDA, there's probably a federal CDA. I don't even know what it stands for. And they probably issued, they're going to probably issue a half dozen comment periods this year. Mm-hmm. We've never heard of the CDA. You don't, you don't hear about the comment periods. And, and they, they, take, they do the comment periods, and then they engage in the power grab. And occasionally these comment periods get attention, 
And that's almost, even then it's irrelevant because it's a heads-I-win, tails-you-lose situation. Yeah, they got to do Where if the do. comments favor the power grab, they, they herald the comments and say, hey, look, the public wants this. Yeah. And then the other side is if it, if it opposes the power grab, they just ignore it and do it anyway. Because what are we going to do about it? We can't unelect these bureaucrats. That's right. So that's the comment period that exists. And like I said, there are thousands of them a year in the federal uh, government. And it, it, it's putting the veneer of democracy on an authoritarian situation. Now, occasionally, like I said, uh, this, this comment period or that comment period garners attention. The, the net neutrality comment periods at the Federal Communications Commission have garnered such attention. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so because they did, the left does what it always does. It starts cheating. <laughs> yes. And they, they started... There, there are all kinds of examples. Like in, 20, in the 2010 power grab, there were fake comments where people filed washing machine um, instruction manuals and said we are in favor of net neutrality. Um, and they had, like, in, in 2017, uh, or no, the, 20, the, 20, the 2015 power grab, the bigger net neutrality Title II power grab, 83% of the comments were, were generated by bots, by, you know, computer fake comments. And, of course, all these bot comments were for net neutrality. Wow. And so all this goes on, all this chicanery goes on, and then we flash forward to 2017 when Trump undoes it. Well, the Internet service provider companies are watching all the media, these fake pro-net neutrality comments are generating, because they, they barely report their fake. They just say, oh, the comments are overwhelmingly in favor of net neutrality. So they, they go to their, their, their customers, explain to them how much more they'll have to pay for their service under net neutrality regulations, and the customers file comments huh. that say, oh, we're opposed to net neutrality. Well, uh, it, uh, there were about 18 million comments filed in the uh, 2017 comment periods. Wow. 40% of them were generated by the Internet companies trying to get their customers to defend themselves against higher prices caused by government. Eight, it was like 8.5 8. million. The New York Attorney General prosecutes the broadband companies for filing fake comments and fines them. <laughs> <laughs> there was no prosecution of the eighty of the bot generators huh. in the twenty fifteen thing, where eighty three percent of the fifteen or so million comments were fake and pro net neutrality. And there's the defining characteristic: she doesn't pro she doesn't prosecute the pro net neutrality fakers. And, and, and I, I argue still that the the, the broadband company. Comments aren't fake. They're real people saying, I don't want to pay higher prices. They're right. not computer-generated. They're not bots. And here's my favorite. 8.5 million comments come from the broadband company's customers. 7.7 million were generated by one guy. Huh. Pro-net neutrality. 7.7 million. Almost as many as all the broadband companies combined. Generated by one fake guy. 7.7 million actually fake comments. The AG's report doesn't even mention the guy's name. Huh. 
Isn't that disappointing? Isn't it? So he's not going to be prosecuted because they don't care. No. The entire slant of the report is we successfully fined broadband companies for filing fake comments, which aren't even fake. As an aside, they go, yeah, one guy generated 7.7 .7 billion fake comments. Um, uh, oh, by the way, I'm sorry, the broadband companies represented 40% of the allegedly fake comments, huh. which means 60% of the fake comments were pro-net neutrality fake comments. Huh. And one guy generated as much as the entire cadre of broadband companies, all by himself, totally fraudulent, totally bogus, and the, the, the AG doesn't even... And, of course, the media, there was a press conference about this. The media doesn't even ask, who's this one guy? Yeah. So There's one pro-net neutrality guy that generated almost 8 million comments all by himself. Who is this person? Amazing. So, it's again, it's, it's this selective prosecution where Jim, Jim Comey isn't prosecuted. James Clapper isn't prosecuted. They're not even investigated. John Brennan isn't even investigated. But Roger Stone has 15 armed men <laughs> yeah. come to arrest him by land and sea because he lives on a canal, they actually send a guy, a guy, guys in boats up the canal to make sure he doesn't make an aquatic escape when the land gendarmes show up. <laughs> and it's Roger Stone, who did nothing wrong. I know, it's just amazing. So it's just yet another example of the selective prosecution that goes on in the United States. Yeah, is this the same prosecutor, uh, AG, that was uh, trying to get Trump's tax returns? Oh, she, she was trying to get Trump's tax returns. She, you know, she, she actually counseled the Michigan AG, and told her not to file charges against Governor Whitmer for murdering old people by putting COVID patients in their nursing homes. Yeah, unbelievable. So she's, she's not going to prosecute Cuomo because she told the Michigan AG not to prosecute Whitmer for doing the same thing. And, and didn't she but she's going after Trump. And she's she's suing the National Rifle Association. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's very selective. Yeah, my gosh, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you bringing this information to us, Seatley. Seaton, it's uh, really shocking to see how uh, political politicized every branch of government has become. It's 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 pretty sad. Actually. Everything, everything. The military now is 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 issuing you know talking about their diversity. Yeah, uh, I saw a great tweet, and they said, <laughs> well. With, with, with the with the border wide open, uh, with, with, with the assault on the uh, the cyber attack on the pipeline, with with uh, inflation going through the roof, my first thought is, gee, I hope the government's diverse enough to handle this. <laughs> Seton Motley again, the founder and president of Less Government. Uh, you can visit lessgovernment.org. I hope you will, and also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your commentary. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on the board, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. Of course, that's going against the tide of this administration. But you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Mayor Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Well, Bob, it's always always a pleasure. So, are you all gassed up? <laughs> I'm, uh, am I what? All gassed up? Do you have a? Oh gosh, heck yeah! I ran to the pump. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, um, I, you know, they keep saying that there's, you know, the Florida is fine, and they've emphasized it, and um, they keep emphasizing it, and people still just absolutely is that toilet paper urge you know what i mean i certainly like, do like uh and and it's it's um it's just human nature bob you know yeah. what i mean it really and truly is because i found myself i looked at my gas tank okay i had probably half a tank and i had this greatest urge to just go fill up and then uh i wouldn't have any any issues whatsoever and i didn't um, because I believed them and they kept saying, Hey, we're good. And I, I just went by, um, the, uh, shell station coming up 41, um, uh, in park shore and the mobile station and the Seven Eleven up here, uh, near the Hilton. Uh, so I got a breakfast here this morning and, um, there were just the normal people in there that the, uh, the tree trucks guys doing tree trimming were filling up. And, um, there was, you know, I didn't see 80 cars lined up or yeah. pushed in line or anything else. So uh, hopefully the people are believing it. Well, I hope so too. I, I, as I understand it, the uh, North Florida it might be a little bit of a different story and my right. and big lines apparently. And uh, for example, North Carolina. So 
it's kind of yeah. it's kind of interesting how this is all transpiring. Of course, everything in Naples is kind of close together, so you don't have to go far to get stuff. Whereas in North Carolina, it could be pretty spread out. Well, that's because of that pipeline too. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, I do. The uh, we don't get we get ours from Port Everglades, and so um, uh, we're not in 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 dire shape like those people are. I feel bad. I know it's it's just a horrible feeling in the pit of your stomach when you when you're that that light is going on. Uh, you need gas, and you pull in, and you can't get any, and you have kids or yeah. pets, or you're trying to get to a job. I mean, I'm not joking about it. I, I it's definitely not. It's it might be a funny situation if you're not in it. To, but it really and truly isn't. No, it's not. Um, so I feel for them, and hopefully they'll be back online soon and get some gas. Yeah, I hope so as well. So, uh, uh, Mayor Bill, uh, apparently there's uh, there's a uh, city council meeting today. That they usually don't occur yeah. on Thursday. <laughs> no, um, they. Um, uh, my my favorite mayor Heitman last week. Um, she <laughs> um, couldn't finish the meeting by ten fifteen at night. They started at eight thirty in the morning. They had six items left, Bob, hmm. at 10.15 at night. And these people must have been just, I mean, you, you know, you, you just can't think straight when you're, when you're working all those hours. And uh, so they had to set a special council meeting, which they did for today, to try and finish up what they didn't do a week ago. Hmm. Um, and inconvenient, uh, without a doubt, especially for the people that sat there all day waiting for their agenda item. Um, and then today is a big day because, you know, the new city attorney, um, on her own volition, uh, gave a legal opinion on whether the mayor should have power when the se- when the council is not in session and her definition of not in session is, um, when you're not in a meeting, you're not in session. That wasn't mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt if you were on vacation, you weren't in session. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But anyway, so so it's a it's a power move, and uh, the council is going to take it up today and say uh, yay or nay on that. And why would the city attorney on her own accord, the new city attorney, just draft something um, because she felt it was a point of contention? I wonder if she's done that for the other nine cities that they represent. Um, um, I just feel a little bit of... Uh, and she said the mayor didn't ask her to do that and whatever, but I kind of wonder because uh, the mayor is on a power trip, no doubt about it. Yeah, that's so interesting. Uh, so uh, any outstanding issues? Uh, the six items, That's a, uh, go to 10.15 at night from 8 o'clock or 8.30 in the morning and still have six items left. Uh, any significant items they're going to be reviewing today? Well, yeah, they're going to be talking about the our favorite that's been going on for years, the height issues, which have been pretty stable and no issues, but now they're... They're bringing that back up again, um, and um, so they have that on there, and they have another one. Uh, um, I can't remember exactly what it is, um, but they're they're going to be. I'm, you know what? I'd like to see them out of there mid afternoon, but my guess is is uh, uh, probably five o'clock today. Who knows? Oh, oh my goodness! But it doesn't really matter. I'll maybe, just uh, but maybe they can finish them up. Well, when when you refer to height issues, I, I'm supposing that means uh, the height of our variances of uh, buildings beyond the code yes. in, in, in Naples. Yeah, yes, yes, and whether you could put a, a tree up on top of a roof that would be higher than the 42 feet that's, uh, that is the height limit, um, and all kinds of interesting things that certainly we dealt with prior councils and everything else and had 
no issues with it. It's the, you know, it's the, the, um, uh, what do you call it? The, um, the, the, like the railings up on top that look nice, you know, the, dec- the decorative, right. the decorative, uh, they, they don't want those above height limit. And it's been an, it's been a point of contention for a long time, wow. but that doesn't affect anything. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just pretty. Yeah. So who knows, Bob, who knows? <laughs> well, I'm sure they'll make some great prudent decisions uh, today. So, Oh yeah. Oh, oh, for absolutely for sure. So, it, it should be interesting, um, no doubt. Um, but uh, other than that, everything seems to be good. People are uh, are definitely leaving. I've noticed a big difference uh, in the in the traffic. Car carriers and, uh, everywhere. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> for sure. Nice to um, see. And um, but I do think that people are is oxymoron. I do think that people are staying longer. I mean, the restaurants have still been busy. Yep. Um, and uh, so I think that. That I still think that there are people that stay the extra time. I don't uh, want to go back to a state that's closed up. Exactly. I mean, who would want to go back to uh, Michigan at this at this point, or uh, into California or places like that? I mean, they, they're still. Say, did I re- understand that our uh, kids still masked up in school t- uh, here in, in uh, Collier County? Well, they, <clears throat> I, th- I think they are, and that's another point of contention. Yeah. So, um, yes. Yeah, that's a yes. dis- disappointing. Kids, kids should be able to smile. They should, they should. That's bad for their health, quite frankly. And there's uh, absolutely no information that suggests that kids, uh, trend, you know, they they stay healthy. Right. They don't get their, if they get the virus, they're not going to get it badly. They don't transmit it to others. It's right. Just crazy. Well, they 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 are able to get vaccinations, which is good now, and uh, that just started, I think, yesterday, and. Um, the other thing is, is that I don't hold me to that whether they're masked up in schools, but I think they are. Yeah, I think I, so. I'm, I, I, that's something I really haven't followed, and so I can't give a, a legit answer. I think they are masked up in school, but I might be wrong, and I hope I am. Hey, final question before I let you go. Uh, you had a very talented granddaughter who was went up to Boston to participate in the ballet. In right. The, any update on that? What she doing now? Sure. Well, Caroline, um, she last year um, decided that she um, wanted a college education. Um, they did not want her to leave Boston Ballet, but they supported her. And the two schools in the country that are the tops for, for dance uh, uh, were USC and uh, uh, Indiana University. And she went to both and she loved Indiana. And that's where she is. Fabulous. She's at IU. She's at IU and uh, really loving it. And, of course, they had a terrible dance year, I mean, with the, with the COVID and everything else. Sure. So um, who knows about next year, you know, but she's there and she's, uh, she's got a, she's, uh, was majoring in dance and second, secondary in business, and uh, she's loving it. Outstanding. Again. Thank for, you for asking. Oh, absolutely. Well, always interesting. Former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Bob, my pleasure, and stay well. You as well. Thank you, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Tomorrow, we're going to visit with William Yateman, research fellow at the uh, Cato Institute. Michael Cannon is the director of health studies uh, at the uh, Cato Institute. We'll be talking with uh, Michael as well. Bryson Bort is with the R Street Institute. We'll be visiting with Bryson as well as Dave Bigo, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.
Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>